Cube Insights from the global leader in tech coverage. Everyone, welcome back to theCUBE's live coverage here in San Francisco, the Moscone North Lobby. We're here as part of our exclusive coverage of theCUBE for IBM Think 2019, their annual conference of customers and employees coming together to set the agenda for the next year for IBM and its ecosystem. I'm John Furrier with Stu Miniman, Dave Vellante, and Lisa Martin co-hosting all week this week, four days of wall-to-wall -wall coverage. Day two of our coverage, really day one of the show kickoff, we're here ending out that day and just had the CEO's keynote and we're going to do a review and analysis uh, Dave and Stu, we had a lot of interviews coming up to this. The theme is pretty clear. It's AI, <laughs> cloud, and everything else going underneath that classic development. Application developers, developers in general, making applications, that's classic. But AI is the, the, the big story, and like, like always, cloud, and the promise of where that's going, which is hybrid and multi-cloud. Dave, you said on the keynote, any surprises from Ginny Rometty? Um, I wouldn't say there were any surprises. Uh, um, first of all, I like Ginny. I think she, she, she's a great presenter. I'd, I'd like to hang out with her. Like we were kids, I would have, would have wanted to hang out with her. She's the type of person I think I, I would feel comfortable talking, you know, sports or business. Uh, she looked good. She had a you know, really nice, sharp white suit on. Um, she's self-deprecating. She was drinking Starbucks. You know, they're obviously a client of IBM's. I thought the, the best moment was when Jim Whitehurst came on stage. He said, it's great to be here. So he was like, yeah, I'll give you 34 billion reasons why it's great to be here kind of thing. <laughs> and, uh, so that was pretty funny. And, uh, and she, had, she made the comment that we've been dating Red Hat for 20 years before we you know, decided to get married. Um, she was trying to make a case. You know, normally in Ginny's presentation, she, she makes a really solid, puts forth a solid premise and then sort of backs it up with her guests. Today, I thought her premise, which was we're entering Chapter 2, uh, it's all about scaling and embedding AI everywhere. It's about hybrid. It's about bringing mission-critical apps, you know, move those forward. Um, and, then, and then she had a number of other lessons learned. I thought she laid it out, but I think it sort of missed the back end. I don't think they, they punctuated the tail end of, of Jenny's talk. The, the guests were great, and they had guys on from Kaiser Permanente, uh, AT&T, and they were, you know, I thought, very solid. But I don't think they made the case as strong as the premises that she put forward, and you know, we could talk more about that. And Stu, obviously Red Hat on stage, we've been commenting, we've been analyzing the acquisition of Red Hat, big number, $34 billion. Critical point, you guys talked about in your opening on day one, the leverage they need to get out of that. This is a, the Alamo for them with the cloud, in my opinion. Um, IBM has a lot to bring to the bear in the cloud. AI Anywhere telegraphs that they want to have their stuff with containers in multiple clouds. They want to be positioned as a multi-cloud company, but still have their cloud providing the power for the workloads that make sense for IBM. This is their last stand. This is like you know Alamo for them. They need, they need to make cloud work right now. Watson moved from a product to a brand holistically. OpenStack, does it tie it together, Stu? Your thoughts on OpenStack and how this fits into their narrative? So I, th I think you mean OpenShift, right, John? Uh, so uh, from, from Red Hat's standpoint, absolutely what they're doing, uh, they are involved in OpenStack, but OpenStack uh, kind I mean, of open a small They're potatoes. one of the few that are sanguine on OpenStack. Really. <laughs> yeah, um, Red Hat, I mean Red Hat, OpenShift, my we, bad. We, 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 Long uh, day. It, 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 <laughs> absolutely, and uh, it, it is complicated in the multi-cloud world and lots of different pieces. Uh, we've had a number of conversations with the IBM people 
people that have worked with side by side Red Hat in the open source communities. Uh, IBM no stranger to open source, uh, and uh, as we talked about in our open on uh, yesterday, it's the developers is really what uh, where IBM needs to go and where Red Hat uh, has a, a bevy of them. Um, and John, what you said about multi-cloud, absolutely. It's if IBM thinks that buying Red Hat will make them the global global player in cloud, uh, I think that's wrong, and I don't think that's what they're doing. When I, I wrote a blog post uh, when it came and I said, is this move going to radically change the cloud landscape? No. Can this acquisition radically change IBM and change the trajectory of where they fit into multi-cloud? Absolutely. So uh, there's cultural differences. We had uh, uh, Stephanie Shirasan, who's a longtime IBMer who now runs the biggest business inside of Red Hat. And she talked about the passion of open source. This is not lip service. I have many friends that have worked for Red Hat. I've you know, worked with them, partnered with them, and covered them uh, for most of those 20 years. Uh, and absolutely, you've got over 10,000 people that are passionate, involved in communities. Uh, and when you talk about the developer world, you talk about the cloud native world, this is what, you know, really Red Hat's moment has been waiting for. You know what's for. interesting, John, and I wonder if you could comment on this, is you're hearing IBM, Ginny, talk about you know, chapter two. She talked about digital reinvention. Here's yet another company using the reinvent terminology. I think that's sort of poignant. Uh, she talked about 40% of the world is going to be private, 60% is going to be public cloud. There's sort of that's the first time I've heard those stats. She said it's flipped if you're a, a, a regulated industry. But what are your thoughts on people essentially using sort of an Amazon's narrative on reinvention? Everyone's using Amazon's narrative. Here's the bottom line. Amazon is winning by large margins. I think the numbers are way skewed uh, in the favor of the people trying to catch up. I think that's more of a gamification by the analyst firms. Amazon is absolutely blowing away the competition when it comes to public cloud. The only game at the table right now for the Oracles, IBMs, and Microsofts, and Google is to slow down the adoption of Amazon. And you see the cloud adoption with Amazon, whether it's in the government sector, which I think is more acute and more um, illustrative, the Jedi contract, the $10 billion contract, that is a, quote, sole source deal, but it was bid as a multi-source deal. It means anyone could bid on it. Well, guess what? That is a going to be an award probably to Amazon as a sole winner because IBM doesn't have the certification, nor does Microsoft, nor does Oracle. Nobody's got it. Amazon's winning that. And that begs the argument, can you use one cloud? And the answer is, yes, you can if the app workload works best for it. And procurement does not decide output for the cloud. For example, if it's a Jedi contract, it's a military application. So like a video game, would you want to play a video game and be lagging? Would you want our military to be lagging? Certainly the DOD says no, so one cloud makes sense. If you're running Office 365, you want to use Azure. So Microsoft has taken that, and their earnings have been phenomenal by specializing around their workloads that make sense for Azure, and they're catching up. IBM has an opportunity to do the same for their workloads, the business workloads. So AI Anywhere is interesting to me, so I think this is a good bet. If they can pull it off, that's the strategy, and the world will go multi-cloud where certain clouds will be sold for the sole source for the workloads that make sense for those workloads. So this is where the market's going, right? So this whole notion of there won't be multi-cloud, it's going to be multi-cloud, and it's going to winner-take-most, and the game right now is to stop Amazon. (laughs) 
That is clearly the case, and you're seeing it in the bids. You're seeing the customer base, and IBM is catching up as fast as they can. They got the people and the technology. The question is, how much do they catch up and level up to Amazon? Well, Stu, despite uh, Ginny, you know, invoking the reinvent terminology. Uh, the, her keynote was starkly different than what you would expect from an Amazon keynote. Um, they met, she mentioned a couple of the announcements, Watson Anywhere, which, by the way, is about time. About time that Watson ran on other people's clouds. I mean, that's, that's what should have been a while ago. And then HyperProtect is the world's most secure cloud, but we don't have any really details on that. And then IBM Business Automation with Watson. And that was really it. I think it was by design not to give a big product pitch, you know, very non-Steve Jobs-like, very non-Andy Jassy-like, which is all product, product, product. I mean, kind of surprising. In a big show with all these customers, you'd think they'd be pitching, but I think their intent was to really be more content-oriented. Well, so Dave, you know, goes back at the core, what is IBM's biggest business? IBM's biggest business is still services. So I've done a number of interviews this week already talking about how IBM is helping with digital transformation, how they're helping people uh, move to more agile and developer environments, um, you know, the multi-cloud world. How do they, you know, IBM has a long history with CSPs and MSPs, so they have large constituencies, and sure, they have products, you know, great stuff talking about, you know, how do they have the best infrastructure to run your AI workloads, and the strength that they have in supercomputing and HPC, and how they can leverage that, because IBM knows a thing or two about scale. Um, But, you know, Dave, one of the questions I have for you is we've seen the big services organizations go through radical downsizing. You know, HP spun off their business. Dell got rid of the Perot business. Um, You know, IBM still is, you know, services at its core. Is IBM built for the multi-cloud, cloud-native, you know, AI world, or do they still need to go through some massive changes? Well, multi-cloud is complicated. And and IBM does complicated. Services uh, you know, deal with complexity. But I, I still can't help but feel like... Well, I, after- think, I, well I, th- I want to comment on that. I think the services, if the manual services, professional services drop down, IBM has a great opportunity to move them to cloud-based services, meaning I can write software, and this is where I think they have an advantage. They can really nail the business applications, which will become services, whether it's domain expertise in a vertical, and I think this is their cloud opportunity. And if I, IBM can capture that, they can take a, an entirely new category of applications, business applications and services, automate them with machine learning, automate them with cloud scale, their cloud scale, while making them portable on multiple clouds. So the notion of services will be to be professional services, classic, you know, grandfather's services to cloud-based services at scale. Yeah, well, I think you're right. And I think, look, that's one of IBM's biggest strengths. I mean, Ginny did that acquisition, by the way, the PwC acquisition. It's 100,000 people. It, it instantly brought IBM into that deep vertical industry expertise. And they're not going to give that up anytime soon. And there's so many opportunities to codify those services or that so- you know through software and make them re- repeatable services. I mean, they're at as a service business is one of the fastest growing parts of IBM's, you know, revenue stream. So I don't see that going away at all. I do think there was a missed opportunity and maybe they can't talk about it for some regulatory reason or they're just paranoid. But you had Whitehurst up on the stage. You just spent $34 billion. I would have liked to heard more about the rationale, even though we've heard it before. They did, a, you know, Jim and, and Ginny did a tour. They were on all the big TV shows. They were on Kramer. But I would have liked to heard sort of six months on what that rationale is and how they're going to help transform with this in this new chapter and what yeah. that role that Red Hat was going to play. I thought it was a missed opportunity. Well, I'll speculate on that. I think one of the things probably they probably don't have their answer yet. And IBM's very good on messaging. You know they're pretty 
tight. Yep. But I think uh, Arvind uh, Krishnan talked to us this morning on our first interview. He brought up the containerization and Kubernetes trend. I think that's where Red Hat fits in. Not only does it give them cloud-native developers in enterprise, Fortune 1000. They also got the cloud-native ecosystem behind that, the CNCF, etc. But containers does for legacy. Re- containerization and Kubernetes really s- preserves legacy. It allows developers to essentially keep the old while bringing in the new and managing the life cycle of those applications. It's not a rip and replace. This is an opportunity for IBM. And if I think the messaging folks and the product guys are probably going to figure out, okay, how do we take the Red Hat and OpenShift and be cloud native and take all the goodness that comes in with cloud native, the new developers, the DevOps infrastructure as code, make the under the covers infrastructure programmable. And as Rob Thomas pointed out, have a horizontal data layer that enables new kinds of business services. So to me, containerization is kind of nerdy, Kubernetes, but this is really a new linchpin to what could be a sea change for IBM in terms of revenue, keeping the legacy customers happy because then the pressure to move to Amazon goes away because I can say, whoa, wait, if the question is why adopt, if customers have an answer for that, that gives IBM time, this is what they want. Otherwise, the cloud-native world is going to move very, very fast. We've seen the velocity of the momentum, and I think that's a key move. Well, I think your point about you know, slowing down the Amazon momentum is a good one. And, and, and I want to talk about five things that Ginny said, the lessons learned. She said, one, you can approach the world from outside in and focus on, on customer experience. Or you could do inside out and identify new ways to work and new workflows, you know, kind of driving change. The third lesson learned was you need a business platform fueled by data with embedded AI. The fourth is you need an AI platform. And then the fifth is Rob Thomas's, you can't have AI without IA. Without, you need an information architecture, which, by the way, I believe is to be true. Um, so those are business-oriented discussions. It's not something that you'd necessarily hear from Amazon. They're kind of chewy. There's a services component to all that. The big question I have is, will Watson be that AI platform? Yeah, I, I mean, something you know I look at is, why do I choose a platform and a partner? So we understand Amazon, you know, they want to be... The the leader in everything, they have a lot more services than anyone. But you know, if I want data services, first cloud that comes to mind to me is Google. Yep. You know, Google has a real strength there. You know, where does IBM have a leadership compared to, to Google? Uh, business productivity, IBM has a lot of strengths there, but Microsoft also has yeah. a place. So you know, customers, if they're going to live multi-cloud, they're going to, in many ways, go back to best of breed. Um, and therefore, where will IBM differentiate themselves uh, from some of those? Big well, we have visibility now. It's clear now. If you look at the industry, the fog is lifting. You're starting to see some um, clear lines of sight on a few major trends, and it's pretty clear on where the industry is going for the next 10 years. Application developers at the top of the stack going to build apps. The infrastructure is cloud, cloud something, multi-cloud, cloud-native, infrastructure is code, and data and AI. You see that at Amazon reInvent, SageMaker. You're seeing all the major innovations happening around apps using data powered by cloud scale. That's it. Everything else to me is glue or some sort of fabric component or a piece of that distributed architecture, yeah. and it's it's it, it, cloud it, it, AI and, and applications. As, as Dave has often said, it's the innovation sandwich of today. Yeah, well, so I, I guess I guess yeah, the other piece I want to mention is because of I mean, there's been some high profile fail, failures with Watson, but Watson was trying to do some things that were not you know voice response to Alexa, trying to you know solve cancer and you know world problems, and so I think IBM has actually earned the right to be in the discussion. And the, I think the Red Hat acquisition 
gives IBM instant credibility in this game, um, especially in this multi-cloud game. Well, they got, I mean, they got the right to be. They got zillions of customers. They have a lot of, a lot of business model innovations with that, they, that their customers are innovating on. And if they keep the cloud innovating, they got to match the specs, specs of the cloud. They got to be there with cloud. If they don't make the cloud work, then they're going to be subservient to the other clouds. They have to make it in the top three. This is clear. The AI thing, I think, will work. They got a lot of experience in data. I think Watson kind of finding his home as a brand is natural fit. They got a portfolio of data. I think IBM will do very well on the data front. It's the cloud game that they got to really shore up. They got to make sure that the IBM cloud can serve their customers. But the good news there is they're in the game. We saw HPE try to get into HP try to get into cloud. It failed. Cisco for a while was trying to get in. We saw EMC make numerous attempts. VMware made made numerous attempts. IBM spent two billion dollars in software. They've not. They've they've got a cloud. You know they've transformed what was essentially a bare metal hosting platform. You know into a cloud. They've jammed all their as a service products in there. Their SaaS portfolio. So they're at least in the game. Um, and I, you know again I've I've said often I think they're very Oracle like. It's not the biggest cloud. It's not going to scale to the Amazon levels. But they've got a cloud, and it's a key part of the strategy. Innovation sandwich. Applications cloud with data in the middle and AI. That's the formula, Dave, we said on the Cube here. All right, day two coverage uh, for the Cube of four days. We're here in the lobby of Moscone North, part of the new refurbished Moscone Center in San Francisco. Howard Street's closed. It feels like Salesforce, uh, Dreamforce event. Big event in San Francisco. I'm John Furrier. Stu Miniman, Dave Vellante. We're here for four days, day two of four days of coverage for IBM Think. Back tomorrow. Thanks for watching.